Good morning. We want to welcome you to East LJ Baptist Church this morning. We're so glad you're here. Good to see some uh, different faces, some guests. Glad to have a whole row from Global Ministries this morning and uh, others visiting with us. If you're visiting with us for the first time today, uh, we're especially glad you're here. And we want you to know that we've been captivated by Christ. We have seen in the gospel the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We've seen God's grace and mercy extended us freely through the life, death, and resurrection of His Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and He has captivated us. We pray that today you'll see His beauty, and that you'll be captivated by Him as well. I want to give a quick thank you to all, and there was a bunch of you who, who volunteered and served at our Trunk or Treat this year, this last Wednesday. We had close to 250 folks come through from the community, and we'll be following up with those, uh, those folks uh, very soon to invite them to join us for worship and see how we might serve their families. But thank you all who served, uh, whether you provided a trunk or cooked hot dogs or packed up uh, unloaded candy and got that ready to go, whatever, uh, so much uh, happened that night. Great time of fellowship together as we served our community, and so I want to thank you for your part in that. Let's stand together and take just a moment to find someone you don't know and introduce yourself. already on. All right, if you'll make your way back to your seats. <clears throat> All right, if you'll make your way back to your seats, I appreciate that. You may be seated. This morning we have Miss um, Sandy Webb coming uh, to, to share with us about one of our local um, missions and opportunities for us to, to plug in and serve in our community. Uh, so Sandy, come and share with us about the Warming Center. Thank you very much. I so appreciate the opportunity to share with you this morning. 
I have my little notes because I get carried away sometimes and I want to get the <laughs> main points in. How many of you think that we do not have a problem with homelessness in this community? Be honest. Well, let me tell you, this is our third year to serve the homeless, and I can tell you they are out there. We are still having great difficulty reaching out and finding those because many do not trust people that they see in authority, so we're having a hard time getting them in. But let me tell you a little bit about it. We're part of New Beginnings for Gilmer County. I know you're already knowledgeable about that, and Andy Bradshaw just came on our board at the last meeting. We're so glad for him to be with us. First of all, the Warming Center is staffed by local churches. The ideal is to have four teams with approximately nine members per week to serve. If we have four teams, and we have three now, we're short one. If we have four teams, the church only serves one week a month. And that is if the temperatures fall below 32 degrees. Last year, we were only open 30 days total from November through March. So it's not open as often as you would think. One of the purposes of my being here is to recruit volunteers to staff to make up that fourth team. We need one male and one female each night to stay at the center and one person to coordinate the food. Now we will offer training as needed to individuals or groups and we'll even come and walk you through it for the first time that you serve. So someone or some people feel out of their comfort zone doing something like this, but I promise you, you will be so blessed if you serve. We have been blessed. We have gotten to know people. We have gotten to know the homeless. So often they seem to be invisible, but they're out there and they like to be acknowledged as a person because so often they are not. We have never had more than seven people come to the center at the very most. We have a couple serve for every 10 people in attendance there. We've never had that except for last winter. You remember last winter when we had the snow in the ice right after Christmas? Wow, was that, that was a wonderful experience. All my volunteers rallied. We had 28 people from the community come in that were stranded, could not get back to their homes, could not get back to their rental properties. So for three days, 24 hours a day, we served them by giving them hot meals and a place to sleep at night. So that's what we're looking for. We're not just for the homeless. A lot of people in this community live in trailers 
or they have insufficient resources to heat their dwellings, they're welcome too. Anyone is welcome to come to the center. So that's the reason I'm here. So I'm asking you to prayerfully consider creating a team, joining that team, supporting that team. We need the whole church to support the team. You will not be sorry that you participated. I'm going to have my husband of three months. We've been married three months. <laughs> I sort of roped him into this. <laughs> but he talks, uh, this scripture talks about how we can become the hands and feet of Christ. After we get through, I'll be out in the foyer after the service with brochures and flyers, and I'll answer any questions that you have about the process. I'm reading Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to see me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ms. Webb, for being with us today. Thank you. Let's pray together for uh, the Warming Center and, and the ministry there. Father, thank you for um, raising up those who are serving uh, the homeless of our community and, and others in need. Father, we pray that you would move in our hearts and that you would raise up some from our midst to, to serve as well. Father, thank you for how you have blessed us, and we know that uh, faith that works, that does not work, is dead. Uh, Father, we, we pray that we would not uh, ever be guilty of saying, uh, be warm and well-fed, but not lift a hand to help. So, Father, show us how we can be involved in serving those in such need in our community, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we read from God's Word, Hebrews chapter 10. We'll read verse 10 and also verses 12 to 18. It'll be on the screen there in front of you. 
Scripture says, and by that will, that is God's will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them and after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Aren't you thankful today that you know the final sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice has been made? There is no more offerings. God, on the basis of Christ's sacrifice, has forgiven the sins of all who will ever believe. And he's provided grace and salvation to us. And there will never need to be, there never can be, any other offering for sin. Uh, aren't you thankful that you know that today and that if you trust Christ, you stand in the full forgiveness of sin? That you've been declared righteous, not just not guilty and forgiven, but righteous in the sight of Almighty God. What a gospel this is. And today we want to pray for those that we know, our neighbors who need to know Jesus, who need to understand the truth we just read. Uh, we want to pray for the nations. And this morning we want to pray for one of our own, Jim Leslie. He's, um, I don't think, with us this morning, but Jim is leaving Wednesday um, to go uh, on behalf of the Gideon ministry to Burundi, Africa. And so we want to pray for Jim as he goes. He'll be gone about 21 days. So we want to pray for Jim as he goes and uh, assist the, the Gideon camps there and, um, and ask God to, to bless that ministry as they expand it in Burundi. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you loved us enough to send your own son to live, die, and rise from the dead in our place to make that once and for all final and atoning forever sacrifice for sins. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for us and the hope and the certainty and the confidence we can have before you, in you, before the Father. Lord, we want to pray for Jim and the other Gideons that will be along with him as he goes to Africa this week. We pray for brothers and sisters there uh, who serve with the Gideons and are reaching out to reach those who need Christ. We pray, Father, that you would cause your word to run in that place. Uh, Lord, we want to pray for a number of folks today who are sick and grieving we lift up the families of Ronald Gudger and Russell Evans uh, and Noah West. Father, we pray for Trisha Patterson and Scott Wald, Stacy Parker, Angie and Larry Callahan, Kathy Rickert, Mary Ann Teddy Milton, Vicki Waters and Angie Whitener, Tina Johnson and Billy Duncan, George Wester, William Wilburn D4 and Denise Key, Steve Eller, Wes Clampett, Rebecca and Brian Henderson. Uh, Lord, we pray for Chris Hanley as she awaits test results from a biopsy this week. We pray for Eric Weberg 
as uh, he deals with <clears throat> blindness caused by a stroke and is looking, uh, looking to have a heart catheterization this Tuesday. We pray for Catherine Kellett. We, uh, Lord, also just join our hearts together today to pray for Josh Schneider. Thank you for him. Together today as the men of, uh, the ordained men of our church gather to uh, examine Josh for ordination as deacon next Sunday morning. We pray you'd bless that time, encourage him and his family, and God, may this be a time of great fellowship this afternoon and, and next Sunday as uh, we recognize your call uh, on Josh's life. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and, and in truth. We pray that now you would uh, receive our worship. God, that we would find our greatest joy and delight in you, that we would feast on your grace, that we would drink deeply from the water, fountain of living water this morning as we sing, as we pray, as we hear your word together. And we ask, God, that you would change us for your glory and for our good in this place today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing as we worship in song. We're glad you joined us this morning. We're going to sing uh, I'll Fly Away. Something that I'm sure everybody knows.
Amen. Let's join Jason as he leads us in good, good father.
Father, for your love, we praise you today. We read that verse at the beginning of the service. Told us that by the Father's will, we have been made perfect forever through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once and for all. We didn't decide we wanted you, God. We didn't come knocking on heaven's door to make a deal while we were sinners and rebels and out-and-out enemies of God, hating your holiness in love and mercy in grace that we'll never be able to comprehend for all of eternity we'll never get our hearts around it we'll just start you sent your son you pursued a world of sinners thank you for the way that you've loved us and I pray, Father, that today we would understand a little bit more about that love and that we would respond with our lives to your love. That we would live in the privileges that 
are ours in Christ. That we would settle for no less than the life you purchased for us on the cross. And empower us too by your Spirit. For Lord, you are worthy. And why would we settle for anything less? Thank you that we are the children of the living God. That our Father is King of kings and Lord of lords. And He is a good, good Father. And who we are is all wrapped up in who Jesus is. Be our teacher now, we pray. By Your Spirit, change us through Your Word. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. We'll be picking it up in verse 19 in just a few moments. In your pew Bibles there in front of you, if you uh, don't have a copy along with you, there's one in, in the pew in front of you, page 1194. You can turn there. And we'll be dismissed to Children's Church. I think they already saw it on the screen and left. But Hebrews chapter 10. We'll pick it up in verse 19 in just a few moments. I've shared this as we have been working our way through the book of uh, Hebrews. I've shared this story a couple of other times, but it fits again to illustrate our point this morning. So uh, some of you will remember that. Just bear with me if you've already heard the story. A few years ago, my son uh, Nate and I had the opportunity to go to a George Strait uh, and Eric Church concert at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium the king and the chief all at one time. Now, if you're not a country music lover, you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's okay. Just bear with me again. Um, my son grew up on uh, Eric Church. I grew up on George Strait, and they were both together in concert. This is a big deal. Nathan got the tickets from his wife, Adair, at the time, her boss. I'm sorry, his wife's boss at the time. She's still his wife. But Adair's boss at the time, and let me tell you, they were prime, I mean, superb tickets. We got to park in a special lot that was literally right at the door. Like you could see the door. I mean, it was like from here to the bathroom or something. We walked in through this entrance that wasn't for folks like us. That entrance took us in back, through back hallways of Mercedes-Benz Stadium to a place we could never afford, box seats, where we ate whatever we wanted at no cost to us as we sat in the best seats in the place. All because we had special tickets. And we had, by this man who could afford all of this, been gifted a special seat in the house. Now, we could have said, we don't deserve these tickets. People like us don't get to park in this parking lot. People like us have never walked through these doors before. People like us don't have the means by which to sit in box seats. People like us are either way up high or way, they might get on the floor, but they're not eating all this stuff 
we don't deserve any of this stuff. The bottom line is, thank you for the tickets, but, you know, i tell you what we'll do. We'll just get one of those regular tickets. We'll sit where we can barely see the stage, and the sound's all messed up, and we'll eat one of those concession stand hot dogs. Now, we could have done that. But Mama didn't raise no fool. Why would we have ever done that? When we've been given the privilege of enjoying the show as good as you can enjoy it. I mean, that had just been plain dumb, right? This is yes, still in 2023. But you know, it's not nearly as dumb. That wouldn't have been nearly as foolish as it is when you and I live like we have no idea who Jesus is today and what he's done for us that still stands today. We've been working our way through the book of Hebrews, and we've summarized the whole message of the book in this exhortation. Don't forget who Jesus is. That's the author's point. Don't minimize who he is. Don't forget certain things and, and, and act like parts of what he did don't matter. Don't forget who he is. Live in the fullness of who he is. And this morning we turn a corner in the book of Hebrews as we begin now to look in, 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 into the practical side of, 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 of this letter. He's been teaching us all that Jesus is. He's been reminding us of who Jesus is. And now he turns and he says, therefore, live like it live differently. Because of who he is, shape your life to that reality. And so I want to talk to you this morning from Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 25 about enjoying your new covenant privileges. Are you enjoying all that you have in Christ? The reality is, and the take-home truth from this passage is very simply this, every Christ follower. This is not reserved for the special super spiritual elite there are none. Every Christ follower can daily enjoy the amazing privileges Jesus gives us. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 19. Therefore, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, that is the day of Jesus' return, drawing near. You see, these verses show us that every Christ follower can daily enjoy the amazing privileges Jesus gives us. Well, how can we make sure that we are daily enjoying our new covenant privileges. How can we do that? Well, first off, we must remember two new covenant realities in the life of every Christ follower. If you know Jesus today, there are two new covenant realities you need to remember. 
you need to keep in the forefront of your mind two new covenant realities. The first one is found there in verses 19 and 20. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. The first new covenant privilege that we need to remember is this. We have confidence to enter God's presence because of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We have confidence. We can, some of your translations may have it, we can come boldly in. We can with boldness approach God's throne and go into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. We've been talking about this for a number of weeks. The reality is, Jesus fulfilled all of the shadows of the old covenant and the Levitical priesthood when he became for us the great high priest, the great. There's only ever been one great high priest, and it was Jesus. He did not have to go and make a sacrifice first for his own sins before he sacrificed for the sins of the people. He made one sacrifice because he was sinless. He did not sin, been tempted in all ways as we have been, but without sin. He was the perfect lamb of God and the perfect without sin high priest. And he came and offered himself as the lamb, the final, the only truly atoning lamb of God who takes away the sins of of the world. He entered the holiest of holies there in heaven. He didn't go into an earthly tent like those uh, animal sacrifices, where those animal sacrifices were offered. He went into the very heavenly presence of God and there poured out his own blood on the mercy seat before the Father's throne and made atonement for our sins. And because he did that, we, you and I in him, have confidence to go in as well through a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And so the picture here is simply of this. In the Old Testament temple, there was a large veil we've talked about. It was a thick veil, four, about four inches thick, of woven cloth. And that veil separated the holy place from the most holy place. And only the high priest could go in once a year into the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, where on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat, where the atoning sacrifice, the blood for the, from the atoning sacrifice would be poured only one time a year. And the picture is this. The Scriptures tell us that when Jesus died, the veil was rent from top to bottom. God tore the veil wide open in the, in the earthly temple. But Jesus' body, as it were, was torn and as that curtain, as that veil was ripped, so his body had to be torn that there could be salvation for you and I, that we could enter in. And so through the death of Christ, now you and I can boldly, with, with, with as simple of a prayer as Father, enter the Holy of Holies. It's not a physical entering, but every time I bow my head, if I don't even bow my head, if my eyes are wide open and I say Father in my heart, I am there. I am there. It's as if I am before the Father's throne. He is listening to me just that closely as I pray. Is that all you got? Amen? Hallelujah? This is, a, this is one of our new covenant realities. This is reality for you if you know Him today. And if we're ever going to enjoy our New covenant privileges, we've got to remember that new covenant 
reality. But secondly, not only do we have confidence to enter God's presence because of the body and blood of Christ, secondly, we have a great priest over the house of God. The text continues in verse 21, and it says, here's the second reason for what I'm fixing to exhort you to do. Since we have a great priest over the house of God. We've really already discussed that. I'm not going to go back through that again. But today, not only do you have, do we have a high priest who made that once for all sacrifice, today you and I have the, a great high priest who the Bible says ever lives to make intercession for us. Every day, forever, Jesus will be at the Father's right hand, as our advocate, 1 John 2 says. It's, and again, don't ever think that God has to be, you know, that God just going to stay mad forever, and every day Jesus has got to convince him to not be mad at you and forgive you. No, that's not the picture. He gives us this picture for us. Because we doubt the goodness of the Father, Jason. We doubt the goodness of the Father. We know what we did yesterday or this morning, and we doubt his goodness. We doubt the freedom of access. We we question our, our, our ability to, to, to boldly come to him in prayer. And, and so the scriptures tell us that Jesus is there as our intercessor, as our advocate. He's always, as it were, this is for our benefit, reminding the Father of the sacrifice he made on the cross and the, and the victory he gained in the resurrection for me. For me. Those are the two new covenant realities that you must remember and stand on if you're ever to be able to enjoy the new covenant privileges that Jesus has given us. So, how do we enjoy the new covenant privileges we've been given? Well, first of all, you stand on those two new covenant realities. And while you're standing on those two new covenant realities, it's there that we can enjoy the, three, the following three new covenant privileges or, and or responsibilities that Jesus gives every believer. Verse 22 gives us the first of our new covenant covenant privileges. Listen, we get to draw near to God in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Do you understand that everything that God has done for us in Jesus is for this? It's so that we can freely draw near to him in full assurance of faith. Said in, again, I, I don't understand the silence, but said another way, God wants you to know that you can, because of Jesus, freely and boldly run into his throne room run right through where the curtain used to be. It's not there anymore. Jesus' body was torn for us and run right into the presence of the living God. Do you understand, again, the, the, the high priest in the earthly temple in Jerusalem could only go in once a year. But because Jesus went in and took care of things forever, you and I, there's no limit. You don't have a quota. God's not going to one day look at you and say, listen, this is the 999th time that you've been here, you're done. All your visits are over. All your askings are, are, are done with. He's not going to do that. Everything God the Father has done, remember what it said earlier, we read that, by that will, he's made perfect forever those who are, uh, who, by, by the body of, of Christ, those who are being sanctified, by the will of the Father. Your Father wants you 
to run into his presence over and over and over again. He wants you to draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. You see, we get to draw near in full assurance of faith. He's made a way for us by the spilling of his blood, the tearing of his flesh like that curtain in the temple. And he's alive as our priest today. He'll always cover us and advocate for us and be our mediator in the presence of God. And since that's true, the author of Hebrews says, draw near to him. What are you waiting for? Why aren't you already there? Draw near according to that gospel knowledge. 1 Peter 3, verse 18, echoes the same reality. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? In order that he might bring us to God. Hebrews 4, verse 16, echoes the same language as we see here in chapter 10. Let us, there, let us draw near. To who? To God. With confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. It's a, it's a command there. It's a command in Hebrews 10. Let us draw near. In other words, in, in, in southern English, the, the way this Greek would translate is this. Y'all draw near. <laughs> and keep drawing near. Hebrews 7, verse 25, He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him. You see, that's a, that whole drawing near, that, that, that's one way to tell if you're His. Because if you're, if you're one of the Father's kids, you draw near. If God saved you through the gospel and by, and, and by the grace of Christ and, and, and at work in your life by the Holy Spirit, then you're, you're going to run into Daddy's office. You're going to be up in the throne room talking to your father. Because, hey, that's what kids do. Hebrews 11, verse 6, Without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who draws near to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Why, does, why did God do everything he did in Jesus so that we could draw near to him? Because of what Psalm 16, verse 11 says. He knows this about who he is and how he, how, how in our, and especially in relation to us. In Psalm 16, 11, it says, in your presence, the psalmist talk, talking to God, in your presence there is a little bit of joy. Is that what it says? Momentary joy. Cheap, temporary thrill. There is fullness of joy. That's all there is of joy. It's all there. And at your right hand are pleasures for today, forevermore. The problem with earthly pleasures is what? Most of them lead us away from God, number one. But number two, they're, they're temporary. Even the ones God created was, they're temporary. They don't last. Let me just tell you something. When we see the face of Jesus... Remember that day, we're going to talk about it in a minute, when the day actually comes and he's, we're going to know pleasure and it will never end. Joy that never stops and only grows. But here's the deal, we can be drawn near to God now and experiencing more and more of that now in this life. We've been given that privilege. We've been given that privilege. 
writing a letter during an illness that he was experiencing in 1674, the Puritan John Owen said to a friend, Christ is our best friend, and ere long will be our only friend. I pray God with all my heart that I may be weary of everything else but converse and communion with him. Does that sound weird to you? I mean, I know the language sounds weird, but does that sound weird to you? Does it sound weird to you to say that Jesus is your best friend? Does it sound weird to you to say that you want to grow weary of everything else in this world but talking to and communing with him? Does that sound weird to you? If it sounds weird to you, let me just tell you, you need to examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith according to 2 Peter chapter 1. Because the Spirit of God does that in your heart. And as 2 Peter 1, also, as 1 Peter 1 says, though we haven't seen him, we what? We love him. And though we have never seen him, we rejoice with a joy that's inexpressible. How does that happen? Because he lives in me. His spirit lives in me. And he, and he works in me, Paul says, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You see, by meditating on the truths of the gospel, remembering those, remembering those two new covenant realities we talked about, by meditating on those truths and through prayer, Here's the question. Are you regularly and in an increasing fashion drawing near to God in full assurance of faith? Are you? That's our first new covenant privilege. We get to draw near to God in full assurance of faith. Because Jesus said it is finished. Because he indeed paid it all. Because his resurrection proves his victory over death and hell, sin and the grave. We can come with full assurance of faith. We don't have to question it, ever. Secondly, our second new covenant privilege, we get to hold fast our hope without wavering. How, many, how, how often does your hope waver? Just be honest. Does your hope ever waver? Mine does. You know why mine does? Because I take my eyes off of him. I take my eyes off the two new covenant realities we've already looked at. And I start looking at this world. I start looking at me. I start looking at people. I start looking at circumstances. And my hope wavers. If I would focus on those two new covenant realities that we talked about a minute ago, if I would focus on the reality, and remember what the blood of Jesus has done for me. It's given me bold access into the Father's throne. His body's been broken that I can go in to the holy place. I have a great high priest over the house of God in my faith. My, my hope wouldn't waver. We get to hold fast our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast the confession, verse 23, of our hope without wavering. Listen, for he who promised is faithful... Are you absolutely 100% faithful to God? Never are you. And never will you be this side of glory. Amen? But the one who promised you all the stuff we've already talked about, he is faithful. In fact, Paul said he can't not be faithful. He can't disown himself. He can't cease to be who he is. And he is faithful because God cannot lie. And so if God's told us all these gospel realities, these new covenant truths, 
this stuff about the blood of Jesus making the way wide open always for me to approach the Father boldly, then it's real. And I never have to question it. And we get to hold fast our hope without wavering because he is faithful. Colossians 1 verse 27 talks a little bit about our hope. It says to them, that is to the um, to, to the apostles, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What is the mystery? It's the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we trust Jesus and he comes to live in us by his spirit, we have forever the hope of glory. And it's not a wish, wish for hope. It's a certain hope. The reality that one day we will see him face to face in all of his glory. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. Who? By God's power, us, we're being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter rejoices in the salvation he's been given. He said, and my, our lives as believers, as Christ followers, is one of living hope. Every day we have a certain hope. We have a hope that doesn't have to waver. We have a hope that because Jesus raised from, raised from the dead, it's a done deal. The cross paid it all. And because he lives, he can guarantee you and me that just as he went on ahead of us as our forerunner into the heavenly holy of holies and now sits at the Father's right hand, one day you and I likewise will go sit on that throne with him at the Father's right hand. We will be there forever. This is our hope. We get to hold fast our hope without wavering. So when my faith wavers, the problem's not with my hope. When my hope is, is shaky, it's not, it's not a problem with the object of my hope. The problem is with me. The problem is I'm allowing something to distract me from the rock-solid realities of, of Christ on which my hope is built. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Christ, the solid rock. Hebrews 6, verses 19 and 20 describes it this way. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the, it enters into the inner place, that is the Holy of Holies, behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Just briefly, because it's just so good, I can't not talk about it. We talked about this when we were in Hebrews 6, and the picture is Jesus is the anchor of our soul. And he has, he, has, he has been sunk down deep into the very presence of God, into the very throne room of the living God. And there is a chain coming from that anchor back into this world, back into these, our lives. And, and that chain of God's Holy Spirit connects to my life, to the boat of my life, to the boat of your life, if you know him, to the boat of everybody's who knows Jesus' life. And it's as if that anchor is a kedge anchor. And so slowly, by the, by the power of the Spirit, he is pulling on that chain. The, the Spirit is helping us to pull on that chain, to keep following Jesus, to, to, to have our faith guarded, and to keep moving forward with Christ until one day we 
hedge all the way in to the living presence of Almighty God. Here's the deal. You're going to get there. He's going he's to see to it. He's going to see to it. We must remember who Jesus is. We must never forget who Jesus is. He's risen from the dead and he lives in us by his spirit and he is our hope of glory. He is our guarantee of heaven, our certain and living hope. And the God who's made these things certain is faithful and he will not fail to keep us and get us to our eternal home in his presence. Are we, are you, am I holding fast to our hope or are we wavering? Or allowing fear and distractions of this life cause us to question God's word spoken forever in Jesus. The third privilege we have from verses 24 and 25 is this. We get to stir up one another to love and good works. We get that privilege. These first two privileges have been Godward. These, these second two, this, this third uh, privilege is is toward one another. We get to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Part of our new covenant privilege is to be in the body of Christ to be members of the body of Christ, and as members of of the body of Christ, to build one another up, to help each other keep believing, trusting, and hoping in Christ. I told you earlier that all three of these are privileges, and indeed they are, but they're also responsibilities. These are commands. We get to stir up one another to love and good works. Can I just go ahead and tell you that the Christian life's not going to get any easier for you. This deal's not going to get any easier between now and the day I die, between now and the day Jesus comes back. It's not going to get any easier. I had a dear old believer just this week say to me, he just recently lost his wife, his son's got health problems. He said, Chad, life gets harder. But it's okay because God's faithful. And He is. But the deal is, that old man, precious brother in the Lord, you know what? He needs you. He needs me. He needed a little encouragement that day, but guess what? He encouraged me. Hello. We need each other. God's designed it that way. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If, you think, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't need anybody, I got Jesus, I'm good. No, you're not. Because Jesus said you need, it, you need other people. And they need you. That's how it works in the church. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, he told us. I'm not making this up. He, he, I'm just saying what Jesus said. There's going to come a day, then they will deliver you up to tribulation. And put you to death. Y'all ready? And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away. You know what will happen in the church? When the heat really gets turned on. And by the way, it ain't even started yet. Not by comparison to what Jesus is talking about. Pews will empty. Churches will close down. Why? Because there won't be enough people that, that last. Their faith will prove to be false. Perhaps some in this room it will happen. 
And churches are shut down. We'll have to go back to meeting in homes if this ever happens in our nation, just like, by the way, just like they do the world over and just like they have ever since the very beginning of the church. And many false prophets will arise and, well, verse 10, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. We're talking about, we're talking about people that got together in church. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You see, that's why the author of Hebrews, he knew, he knew that passage. He, he knew what Jesus said in Matthew 24. That's why he says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, because things are going to get worse. And we could look a, a, a little bit later in this chapter, chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, if you want to glance there. These people to whom he wrote had already suffered for Jesus. Text says they'd already been, had their goods plundered. The Jewish communities in which they live, when they, when they said Jesus is Messiah, you know, what, you know what happened? They just robbed them. They just stripped them of their earthly goods. They became social outcasts. Why? Because they said Jesus is Messiah. Because they said Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Because they said there's no need for any more sacrifice. Jesus paid it all. They'd already been there. What the author of Hebrews is telling us is that God's ordained that we are intentional to meet together for the purpose of encouraging one another with gospel truth in order to help each other not let our love for God grow cold and to stir one another up to love, love for God, love for each other, and to good works. Love's the premier fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5 says. Love for God is the first and great commandment. And love for one another is the second commandment, Matthew 22 says. Love fulfills the whole law, according to Romans 13. Love is the greatest of faith, hope, and love. And so the question is, do you, do I, focus on stirring up others to love and good works when we meet together? Now here's the deal, we can do that in this room. Un poco. Just a little bit. Right? There's only so much we can do in that three-minute greeting time we got, right? So what that means is we got to be intentional about other times. That's why you hear me talk about Sunday school. And I, I, I say it all the time from the pulpit. I'll say it again today. If you got to pick, if your life is so busy, you got to pick between Sunday school and worship service, go to Sunday school. Why? Because it's there that this kind of stuff can happen. It's there that you can... Boldly approach the throne with other believers. It's there that you can foster that hope that God's given us in Christ. And it's there that you can stir one another up to love and good deeds. These meetings, these coming togethers are not enough for what God's calling us to in the Christian life. That's why you need Sunday school or something like it. You need a Bible study. We got, we got women's Bible studies. We got Wednesday night adult Bible studies. Uh, maybe you'd want to take it a, a, a step more personal 
in a discipleship group, men with men, groups of three or four people meeting and holding each other, not just meeting together around the Word, that's what they do, but holding each other accountable, asking each other questions about their, your obedience to the Word of God, not in a legalistic way, in an encouraging way, helping each other do what we're talking about right here. Do you have that in your life? You see, this is our great privilege and responsibility in one another's life. John Piper says, not to seek to be part of such a praying, ministering, smaller fellowship. It's sort of like saying to God, I know you often give these amazing blessings to your people through the ministry of other people, but thank you, I'm doing just fine on my own, and I'll get along without those blessings that you want to give me. <laughs> if I ever get a chance to go see George Strait again, I get tickets like I got, I'm going to use them. Mama didn't raise no fool. But we're a bunch of fools sometimes. Because we really, by our lives, and by the fact that today some of us don't have those relationships in our lives, we've not chosen to, to, to make that happen. We're like, God, I know you got all this stuff, all these privileges, all this great stuff. I know you've done a lot for me, but hmm, not interested. I'm good enough. Really? Who does that? Why would we do that? Every Christ follower can daily enjoy the amazing privileges Jesus gives. Are you daily reminding yourself that we have confidence to enter God's presence because of the body and blood of Christ, and we have a great priest over the house of God? Are you? And then, are you reminding yourself, as you remind yourself of that, because those things are realities of our salvation, are you reminding yourself and living in a lot of the fact that we get to draw near to God in full assurance of faith, and we get to hold fast our hope without wavering, and we get to stir up one another to love and good works. This can be our life, a privileged life. Every Christ follower can daily enjoy the amazing privileges Jesus gives. Am I? Are you? Don't ignore the amazing realities of your life in Christ. Don't ignore the privileges of the gospel Jesus has given you. Don't decide to stay home on that Friday night when George Strait is at the bins and you've got the best seats in the house waiting on you to cut the grass. Don't settle for less than this privileged life of close communion with God and fellowship of love with other believers that's motivated by a certain hope of glory in the risen Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for the salvation that is ours. What a great salvation. Lord Jesus, what a beautiful Savior you are. And I thank you for the living hope that we have. May we live in the privileges you've given us. May we draw near to you. May we daily hold fast to our hope. And may we intentionally stir one another up to love and good deeds. Especially as Jesus' coming gets closer and life in this world gets tougher. 
And if we're in the habit of neglecting meeting together, like having real relationships with other believers that are for the purpose of growing in our faith and helping each other spiritually, not just talking about the weather and what's going on with mom and them, Lord, may we change our lives practically. May we plug into Sunday school. May we join a Bible study on Wednesday night. May we get with Pastor Chad to help be part of a, to find out how to be part of a discipleship group. May we trust your wisdom that's told us what we need. And then may we enjoy the fullness of life that all of this and all of these privileges give. For our good. You're a good, good father. You want our best. And for your glory. Because when this stuff happens, Lord, you get all the praise. You get all the honor. You get all the glory. And we ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and respond to God's word just however you need to do. The, Lord, the altar's open for you to come to pray. If you need to know Jesus, if you've never met him personally, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior today, then I want to introduce you to him. Come find me here at the front. Whatever your need, respond to him as we sing.
all God's people said. Amen and amen. You may be seated for just a moment.